RC. See you out there, boy. Yeah. See you. Yeah. yeah. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Y'all ready? Smack him in the mouth. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Beware. Smack him in the mouth. Yeah. I gave you fair warning. Beware. Smack him in the mouth. I don't think they ready, I gave you fair warning. Beware. They better get ready. Phil Flames, I went mic on the mic yep. With something brand new, one time for one your time, mind He gave time. you fair warning Now it's time to smack him in the mouth With that raw sports talk from the town Sweet chin music to your favorite sportscaster Mike on the mic with sports talk that matters Reppin' for the West, see the palms in the logo Mike on the mic, sports pod, let's go! I gave you fair warning, beware You are listening to... Episode 9, episode 9, episode 9 of the Mike on the Mic Sports Podcast. I am your host, and I am Mike, and I am on the mic of the most electrifying sports podcast in the game today. I just did the eyebrow raise like the rock would. Just kidding. I can't do that. I've been jealous of people that can't do that my whole life because I've wanted to be able to do the eyebrow raise my whole life. Anyways... How's your guys' week going? And before I get into the show, I just want to say thank you to Phil Flames for the lines and at RC Productions for the beat. I just want you guys to go check them out real quick if you get the chance and if you like that intro. I love the intro. Intro is super, super hyped in my opinion and it fits my show perfectly. I also have an announcement to make. I know I'm kind of all over the place here. I'm hyped up on coffee. I have joined the Ryan Sports Network. It is a Awesome network with a bunch of guys that are working together to try and create something big. So if you hear me reference the Ryan Sports Network, that is why. <laughs> go check out the Ryan Sports Network. There's a bunch of Instagram pages you can go check out. There's the Ryan Show FM. There's at the Ryan Show Sports. And there's at the Ryan Show. We have some big names attached to this brand that we are creating. And we are going to do some big things in the future. So yeah, that, that that's an announcement. I'm affiliated with them now first time i've done something like this we will see how it goes i am excited to get to work with them anyways we have a great show jam-packed show as i do every week starting with nfl pickums as i do every week and then we're going to go on and we're going to talk about the nba finals and who i got winning the nba finals and i'm going to go on a little bit of a rant to the lebron haters i've done it before and i'll probably do it a couple more times <laughs> in the <laughs> in the next few seasons of nba talk as people continue to hate on LeBron James. And then I'm going to close the show out by talking about who is feeling the temperature rising in the NFL. I did something similar to this a couple weeks ago, but for the whole season, this is right now, week four, who's on the hot seat, who's in a must-win situation in week four in the NFL. Without further ado, let's get straight into the show. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start off with topic one. Fans going crazy for the boys of fall. Didn't let just anybody in that club Took every ounce of heart and sweat and blood To get the way those game day jerseys down the hall The kings of the school, man, where the boys are fall Well, it's turning face to stars and stripes it's Yikes. Last week was not 
the week we were hoping for in the NFL Pickums competition. We won nine, six, and one, ladies and gentlemen. Nine, six, and one. That is pitiful. I can't remember the last time I've done pickums during a season and had less than ten wins in a week. Absolutely awful. Um, it just was a crazy week. It was a hectic week. A lot of upsets. Also, a lot of close games. A lot of games that were going to be really hard to predict who was going to win in week three of the season, where you don't really know a team's full identity yet. Because they haven't really played everyone yet. You know, they haven't played all the tough competition yet. They haven't played any bad competition yet. It hasn't established really who is the teams to beat in the NFL until about week four, five, six. We're starting to see the picture now. We saw some good teams play each other this weekend, and we kind of saw who came out on top of each matchup. Without further ado, I'm about to get into my picks, but first I'm going to give a shout out to my competitors in this competition who are currently beating my ass in this competition, and that is at the Offseason Sports. Go check him out on all social media platforms and podcast platforms. At Joe Marley Sports, go check him out on all platforms as well. At Piggy Bank Picks, you can find him on Instagram, I believe. At the Robson Sports Cast, great show. Go check him out as well. And me. At Mike on the Mic Pod. Here's my cheap plug of the episode. Go check us out at Mike on the Mic Sports Podcast or at Mike on the Mic Pod. You can find me on just about every platform you could think of, including TikTok now, which I am having a lot of fun making random TikToks. Anyways, let's get straight into the picks. On Thursday night, the Broncos are traveling to New York to play the Jets. Oh boy. Here we go, right? Here, here we go. This is a must-win game for the Jets, in my opinion. This is this is 100% must-win for the Jets. Careers could be at stake. Sam Darnold's career, Adam Gase's career, the rest of that coaching staff's career. The Jets could be in trouble if they don't get a win versus this beat-down Broncos team. I mean, the Broncos are playing without Von Miller, without Cortland Sutton, without Philip Lindsay, without Darrell Casey, without Drew Locke, without A.J. Boye. And I'm sure there's more injuries those are just the guys that I know are hurt and most likely not playing in this game. And on top of all of that, the Broncos want to see what their young kid, the, the, the practice squad quarterback, that I don't even know his name. I should have looked up his name, but I just heard about this. They're starting him at quarterback just to see what he's got over Blake Bortles and Jeff Driscoll. I think it's a smart move. I mean, you're playing the Jets for one, so you could definitely win this game even with a beat-down team. And for two... You know Drew Locke is probably the guy you want to go to, but you're going to give the one other young guy you have on this group of quarterbacks a chance to kind of just see what he has first before we just completely dedicate ourselves to Drew Locke once he gets back in there, which I think is going to take four, five, six weeks to get Drew Locke back in the lineup. The Broncos' season is pretty much derailed by all these injuries. Uh, It sucks for them. I was high on the Broncos this year. Now they're probably going to be in the top five picks going into next year. But with all of that, the Jets just aren't going to do it, man. The Jets just aren't going to do it. It's Adam Gase's time to get the boot, and everything is going towards that. And I think the players aren't super against Adam Gase getting kicked out of his coaching position. So I do not see the players being as motivated to play for Adam Gase's job as you would see in most situations where a coach's job is publicly on the line. I mean, you've seen a lot of reports come out of the Jets that if they don't win this game, Adam Gase is probably gone this week or, or in the couple weeks following. So we'll see what happens. But I'm going to take the Broncos to kind of upset the Jets just because the Jets are, are an NFL team. Still, the Broncos are really an NFL practice squad at this point <laughs> playing out there versus the Jets. So we'll see what happens. But I am taking the Broncos to win on Thursday night football. And I'm sure my opponents 
are going to pick the same for the most part just because the Jets are that awful. They are that bad to where a practice, a team full of practice squad players is going to come into their city and beat them on prime time football. Moving on to another interesting game, you got the Vikings traveling to Houston to play the Houston Texans. Now, this game is very interesting as well. There's two teams that last year were solid playoff teams. Not even just playoff teams, just barely squeaked in and got kicked out in the first round. These teams were good playoff teams last year. These, these teams were teams that you could see upsetting another team in the playoffs last year. It didn't happen like they could have, but it's something that you could believe in because they were good teams last year. Not amazing, not bad, just good, solid playoff teams last year. And this year, it has t- taken a complete 180, and they are dumpster fires so far through three weeks in the season. Both these teams got to be desperate to get one in the win column, man. They, they are desperate at this point. Both the Vikings and the Texans, you know, you see similar off seasons where they lose their star receiver. They lose some other key pieces. And they expected other guys to step into that role and take over that role, and it just isn't happening. Although Justin Jefferson did play a little better last week, we still haven't seen anyone break out to be that Stephon Diggs to Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen's still working his ass off. You can see in the games he is pushing as hard as he can to get the passing game going, making diving catches, you know, making a lot of catches in the games. Kirk Cousins, I think, might be one of the worst contracts in the league. I've always been a big Kirk Cousins fan, but I'm more of a fan of Kirk Cousins as a person than as a player. You can see that he just doesn't have the firepower that everyone thought he had when he was in Washington going to Minnesota. Looking at the Texans, I still love Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's still one of my favorite players in the league. He just has nothing around him, and every single play I see him, he looks like he's panicking, trying to force something to happen. And if David Johnson can't get it going... And they can't get it going by any of these receivers. What are the Texans going to do offensively? They really don't have any options offensively other than Deshaun Watson scrambling around and trying to make a broken play. That's not going to work in the long run. That's not going to work this week. It's not going to work against any NFL team. So I'm taking the Vikings to win this game and get their first win of the season in Houston. So a little interesting there. Saints traveling to Detroit to play the Lions. Now, while getting all the way back completely changed the Lions' offense, wow, they actually won a game. Congratulations to the Lions. They won a game last week. Despite getting the star receiver back, they still required their opponent to throw three interceptions. Kyler Murray had a bad game last week, and they only won by three. So even after forcing three interceptions, they still only won by three points, barely squeaked out that game. If your defense gives you that many turnovers in a game, you should win by more than three. You should win by at least 10, but you should probably win by two or three uh, scores. Solid. So to see them only win by three after the defense played as well as they did and forced as many turnovers as they did doesn't give me too much confidence in the Lions' W last week. Doesn't give me too much confidence in the Lions in general. The Saints struggled the last couple of weeks. The Saints looked rough last time that we saw them out against the Packers and against the Raiders. But overall, I still think the Saints are a better team than the Lions. If the Lions got three interceptions and struggled to win still, I'm going to take the Saints in this one. This will be a great win for them, a great confidence builder for that team. They need it right now, kind of down in the dumps after losing back-to-back weeks. So hopefully the, the Saints can get it going. I'm taking the Saints to beat the Lions in Detroit. Moving on, you got the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Washington to play the Washington football team. Do I need to say much here? I mean, the Ravens got to be pissed off after losing to the Chiefs in the way they did on prime time in front of everyone. And one constant thing that we've seen from Lamar Jackson in his young career is that in the face of failure, in the face of doubts, he 
rises above and he proves people wrong. So in this situation where, you know, they're saying that the Ravens aren't what we thought they were, the Chiefs are way better than the Ravens, I expect Baltimore and I expect Lamar to come out and just put the hurt on Washington just to make a point, just absolutely destroy them. So I'm taking Baltimore to go into Washington and absolutely route the Washington football team. Moving on, we've got Cardinals versus Panthers. Cardinals traveling to Carolina to play the Panthers. This is interesting based off what happened last week between these two teams, both of them. The Cardinals should be 3-0. They blew that. Three interceptions by Kyler Murray. If he just throws one or even throws two, they win that game. Lost by three, even with the poor start that he had in that game. The Panthers should be 0-3. The Chargers on the other side blew their game. They gave me zero belief in the Panthers because they literally lost the game on their own. The Panthers didn't have to do anything other than just not throw a bunch of picks. So with that being said, I'm going to take the Cardinals to win this game. It's another situation where I think they're just better across the board than the Panthers. The Panthers do have young pieces, but their star player, Christian McCaffrey, is out. And even with him, they didn't look too good as far as getting wins in the past couple of games with Christian McCaffrey in the game. So I'm going to take the Cardinals to beat the Panthers just because they're overall a better team, in my opinion. As long as they don't throw three interceptions in the beginning of the game again, they should be able to handle this Panthers team. Moving on to the Colts, traveling to Chicago to play the Bears. Here's another interesting matchup. There's so many great matchups in the in the league this week and last week combined. Great games to watch, great games to keep track of, and hard games to predict who is going to come out on top. I have taken the away team in every game so far. I don't know if you noticed that. So I'm taking the home team in this one. The Bears. The Bears are the least impressive 3-0 team in the NFL. I agree with you. But that's with Mitchell Trubisky. I've never seen a team be undefeated and bench their starting quarterback, by the way. This is something new for me. But anyways, they are relying on this defense to keep them alive in these games and almost a little bit of luck, it seems, as well, to keep them alive in a lot of these games. And they've been pulling them off right at the wire at the last second. I think Foles being in there will avoid the turning the ball over problem that they've had the first three games, and that's what's kept a lot of these games close. Leaving the defense to dominate, if Foles can manage to not turn over the ball two or three times a game like we've seen from the Bears so far this season. I think this defense can dominate. I think this defense can literally carry this team kind of like the Eagles defense did with Foles the first time into the playoffs into a good season. So as long as Foles doesn't try and play hero, which I don't think he will, he doesn't have the history of doing too much or doing too little, just doing enough to win the game and doing enough for his team to win the game. I'll take the Bears to win this game. And the reason is, is because on the other side, you got the Colts. The Colts are playing very well. Um, they did lose that first game to the Jaguars, but I think that was kind of a wake-up call to what they actually can be in the in this season with Phillip Rivers at the helm versus Jacoby Brissett. But the part about Phillip Rivers that I know so well, more than anyone else probably in the world, because I've been watching Phillip Rivers literally my whole life as a Chargers fan, is that in these games where you're going to play a really good defense, you can expect a couple turnovers from Phil. No offense to Phil, he's a gunslinger. He's a Brett Favre style of quarterback. He's going to just throw the ball as much as he can, and he's not going to have any fear doing it. And even he said it himself, he don't care what the stat line says as long as he tried his hardest. And sometimes trying your hardest, Phil, leads you to getting two interceptions in a game and getting strip sacked, and that's what's something going to happen. Something like that's going to happen against the Bears this week for the Colts. So I'm taking the Bears to go 4-0 this week. I don't think I've picked them a single week this year, and they've won all three games. And now I'm picking them. They're going to lose. Watch. But I'm picking the Bears to beat the Colts in Chicago. Moving on. Seahawks traveling to Miami to play the Dolphins. 
Dolphins beat the Jaguars. Yes. Woo. Let's go, Dolphins. Good job. Now you play the Seahawks. You're about to get crushed. I'm taking the Seahawks to just absolutely beat them. Put it all together, defensively and offensively, finally for the first time this season, and just whoop on the Dolphins in Miami, in their hometown. Here comes another interesting one that you guys are probably going to be uh, ready for me to talk about. It's the Chargers traveling to Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. And while a lot of people wouldn't be interested in this game, just because obviously the Buccaneers are the favorites to win this thing, Justin Herbert may be the most impressive rookie QB this year so far. Now, I know you guys are saying Joe Burrow, but overall I've seen Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow's okay. He's doing great. He's doing good for a rookie, but he hasn't, like, wowed me. He hasn't done anything crazy that's just wowed me other than seeing how calm he is out there on the field. That's really the only thing that's wowed me with Joe Burrow. Other than that, he looks like Tony Romo or something like that. You know what I mean? He looks like just a, a above-average quarterback maybe in the NFL so far. Justin Herbert, on the other hand, looks like a star in the making so far. So that's why I say I think Justin Herbert's been the most impressive rookie this year, especially what he's done with the notice that he's had to do it. Joe Burrow's known he's going to be the starter since day one. But for Justin, this is his biggest test so far. While he ripped up the Chiefs defense and he ripped up the Panthers secondary last week, they aren't the Buccaneers. The, back, the Buccaneers are a very solid defense, a filled-out defense across the board. The pass rush is going to get to Justin, and it's going to cause problems for him. I don't know if he's going to hit 300 yards again. If he does, it's probably because we're playing from behind against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're just a better team than us right now. We're too young. We're relying on a lot of rookies to overperform. And like I've said about other sports teams, sports teams or football teams, is that when you have a lot of young guys, you can expect a lot of mistakes. And you see that from the Chargers. You see that from other teams that are really young trying to make it work with these young star players. And these guys are going to be stars. They're going to be stars. Don't get me wrong. Just making a lot of mistakes early on in their careers. And that's what happens. It's learning lessons. And the Chargers just aren't quite ready to beat a team like the Buccaneers. And then we play the Saints the next week. So it's kind of a rough two weeks. If we upset them, I'll be very surprised. I'm taking the Buccaneers to beat my Chargers in Tampa. Moving on, Steelers going to Tennessee to play the Titans. There's a lot of news surrounding this game. We have had our first COVID case breakout during the NFL season, and we're seeing how the NFL is responding to it. So far, so good. We've only gotten the news that the players that were originally infected to be found infected are still the only ones that are infected. Very good, because in baseball, once one team got it, it just hopped around all the teams. Uh, It hopped around everywhere, and it was a big problem for MLB, the season almost got canceled in the middle of the season. So it's good to see the NFL has responded right to this. And so far, we haven't heard anyone from last week's opponents of the Titans testing positive. I think it was the, it was the Vikings. We haven't heard anyone else on the Titans testing positive. Just the five staff members and the three players that were originally reported to have tested positive. So very good job, the NFL. It makes me believe that this game could happen Monday or Tuesday. It has been postponed already. It's not going to happen Sunday. They're still trying to figure out how they're going to work this out how they're going to help the Titans get some more practice time because the Titans are being shut down for the week. Maybe uh, these teams won't play until the end of the season, or maybe they'll play during uh, a midweek game. I don't know what's going to happen or how they're going to establish. Maybe they'll call it a tie. But thank you, NFL, for saving the season because this thing could have easily gotten into the Vikings, and the Vikings would have played someone this week if they wouldn't have been doing the daily testing and reacted the way they did. As far as the game goes, if the game happens anytime soon, my prediction, the Titans have been squeaking out wins, man. The Titans have been barely beating bad teams. The teams that they have played have a combined 1-8 and eight record. 1-8 and eight record. That's their opponent's combined record. 
And they've won all three games, but very narrowly, every single game. The Broncos, the Jaguars, and the Vikings last week. So, the Steelers look good. The Steelers look good. So, I have no reason to take the Titans to squeak a game out against a very good team in the Steelers if they're barely beating these bad teams. I'm going to take the Steelers to go into Tennessee and beat the Titans no matter when this game happens. No matter when it happens, especially if we find out that the players that contracted COVID are star players like Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry or someone like that who is a good player that they're going to lose. Moving on, we got the Jaguars going to Cincy to play the Bengals. Is Joe Burrow going to get his first win of the season? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'll take him at least. I'm going to take the Bengals to beat the Jaguars. I think it, this is the perfect opportunity for the ja for the Bengals, I should say, to put it all together and beat a poor team in the Jaguars. And honestly, I don't think the Jaguars really want to win these games because the Bengals are a team that's going to be in the competition with them for one of the top picks next year again, as they were this year. That's how they got Burrow. But I think Burrow gets it all together. I think Burrow plays a very solid game. We see a nice, you know, 30 for 35, three touchdown game from him, and they win this game soundly against the Jaguars, who have played teams tough. But you saw what, what the, they really are against the Dolphins last week, and it's just not it's just not a good team. They're just going to play every a good game here and there, and the rest of the year is just going to be mostly losses for the Jaguars. Another interesting game this week, a super interesting game this week, might be my game of the week. I haven't established the game of the week yet, but this is a super interesting game. You got the Cleveland Browns traveling to Dallas to play the Dallas Cowboys. And here we go. The two annual disappointments are meeting against each other this week in the NFL. As much as I love Dak, I'm a big Dak fan. You guys, If you guys have listened to the show, you know how much of a fan I am of Dak Prescott and how I think he should get his contract. It has been another slow start for the Cowboys this year, and they look like an 8-8 eight eight team again. And the Cowboys have struggled to win the big game. And I don't put most of that blame on Dak. I put most of that blame on the coaching. But when it happens with a new coach, you start to see, okay, maybe it is a little bit of Dak. And maybe it is a little bit of a combo of both uh, contributing to the disappointing games that the Cowboys have had. They pulled off that win against Atlanta, thank God. Otherwise, they would be 0-3 right now going into this game. This is it right here. Bounce back, beat a decent team in Cleveland. I don't think Cleveland's fully there yet, but I do think that they are playing better this year than previous years. They could be a wild card team. And beating them would say something for the Cowboys and would build some confidence. Although the Browns just put the hurt on the Bengals and they put the hurt on the Washington football team, they still gave up a lot of points to these two teams. And the Dak and the Cowboys offense is a different beast. And to get in a shootout with these guys, I don't know if the Browns are going to be able to keep up. I'm taking the Cowboys to beat the Browns at home. Moving on, Giants are traveling to Los Angeles to play the Los Angeles Rams. I'll admit it, the Rams have surprised the heck out of me this year, man. I expected a bumpy start and a below 500 season for these guys. And here we are, going into week four. The Rams are 2-1, and one, and they just played a very good team close in the Bills, so their one loss is a legitimate loss. It is not like a, a loss to a bad team. The Bills are a very good team this year. I don't knock them for losing that game, especially as close as it was, and especially what they had to do to come back in that game. It shows what kind of grit and shows the never-give-up attitude of this Rams team. They probably should have beat the Bills, honestly, in that game last week. It earned my respect, and I'll admit it, I probably was wrong about the Rams. The Rams might be a wild-card team this year. I think the Seahawks are still a little bit better than the Rams, but the Rams are playing very well, and the 49ers season is kind of derailed so that kind of helps the Rams out in possibly making the wild card this year they're playing better man they're playing better than the Giants the Giants just they aren't going to be able to do much offensively the Rams defense is humming flying around 
this could get ugly. This could get ugly. I'm taking the Rams and possibly a blowout win over the Giants. Even though the Giants have played some teams close, it's just they're not quite there, and losing Saquon is a big loss to this team for the season. Speaking of the Buffalo Bills, your AFC East champs of 2020, they're traveling to Las Vegas to play the Raiders in their brand new stadium. The Bills are 3-0 right now, going up against the Raiders, who are 2-1. A little bit of a surprise there for the Raiders to be 2-1 at this point in the season, especially when you saw that they had the Saints on the schedule in the first three weeks. This will be a shootout if the Raiders want to have a chance to win the game. Last week, they couldn't keep up with the Pats offense. So what would lead you to believe they're going to be able to keep up with the Bills offense going off? The Bills are much better at a big play down the field than the Pats. And you're going to see them take those shots against the Raiders. The Raiders are going to have to respond well to this high-powered offense. And then also counter with the high-powered offensive drive on their own versus the Bills defense. I'm taking the Bills to win this game and go 4-0 this week. And the game I'm about to predict will put the Patriots at 2-2, two and two, and they'll be two games above the Patriots in the AFC East at the quarter mark. Hey, man. I'm ready for it. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I predicted the Bills to be good this year, and I predicted the Patriots to fall this year. So it's all going as planned so far because the next game, Patriots are traveling to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. The Patriots have been impressive through week three so far. They've had a little bit of a weaker schedule. Now things are going to get a little tough, but they have been impressive through the first three weeks. They've beaten the teams that they should beat. They can thank the rest of the league for letting Cam Newton fall into their lap the way he did. They got him for free, and he is out there balling. He is playing and carrying this team right now on the backs of Cam Newton and the run game in general. Overall, Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle. The entire run game is carrying the team right now. They are they are dominating on the ground right now, and the O-line is playing very well for them to be able to do so. They lost a close game to Seattle. That was fun. They could have won that game. They really could have won that game. The Patriots could have a whole different story right now sitting here at 3-0. and That would be crazy. <laughs> that would be crazy. So here we are, Patriots playing the Chiefs. I still think, even with as good as they've started, that when they see these tough teams like the Chiefs, they just aren't going to have enough power on defense or offense to keep up with these guys, man. You saw it with Seattle. Seattle scored a lot of points against the Patriots. And the Patriots did keep up with the Seahawks. But the Chiefs are a whole different monster, man. They're a whole different monster. We saw that last week against Baltimore. And they are on fire right now. And when the Chiefs are on fire, I truly believe that no one in the NFL can beat them when they're playing at their best. So here it is. They're playing at their best. They're going to beat the Patriots. I do not think it's going to be a dominate, dominant game. I think the Patriots are going to hang in there tough. But when you get into the fourth quarter, you're going to see the Chiefs pull away a little, and the Chiefs are ultimately going to pull out this win and win this game. Moving on, we got the Eagles traveling to San Fran to play the 49ers. All right. All right, Philadelphia. All right, Carson. Everyone over there, Doug Peterson. This is it, right? <laughs> I've picked you guys every week to win. I have picked you guys to be undefeated, and you have disappointed me every week. So why would I pick you again? Well, this is why I would pick you again. The 49ers are literally lining up with a preseason roster right now. All the injuries they suffered, they have no one from their starting team, basically, that went to the Super Bowl last year. And while I did predict the 49ers take a step back anyways, I did not want it to happen this way. That's for damn sure. But here it is, Philly. You got a wounded team. It's a wounded animal. Put them down. Win this game. Build some confidence. Get the dub. I'm taking Philly to beat the 49ers. And 
I swear to you, <laughs> this is the last time I will pick the Eagles if they lose this game. I will not pick the Eagles for the rest of the season if they do not win this game. I do not care who they are playing. If they're playing a JV Pop Warner team, I will take the JV Pop Warner team because they need to get a win in the win column. And the craziest part is they're still in this division because the Cowboys are 1-2 also. The Eagles aren't even 1-2. They're 0-2-1. They're only half a game behind the Cowboys right now. Despite the the worst start I've seen from a Carson Wentz-led Eagles so far. And the worst start I've seen from Carson Wentz in general. So this is it. Last time I'm picking you. If you guys want to have the belief of your fans and have the belief of me, who's not your fan, but I believed in you all three weeks, win this game or I'm done. I'll be completely done. The Eagles are going 0-16 this year. <laughs> oh, sorry. 0-15-1 this year. Moving on. I believe that's Sunday Night Football. Either that one or the Patriots game, Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football, we have the Falcons traveling to Green Bay to play the Packers. This is going to be a fun game still because the Falcons' offense is good. But this is setting up perfectly for the Falcons to lose in the ways that they lose. And you know what I'm talking about with giving up these big leads. Because that bad man down in Green Bay is famously known for his fourth quarter antics, his fourth quarter play, and his fourth quarter heroics. So this is setting up for the storyline to continue for the Falcons. All I can say is T's and P's, thoughts and prayers for the Falcons because Aaron Rodgers is about to go off and the Packers look like possible Super Bowl contenders to me right now. And I am taking the Packers to beat the Falcons on Monday Night Football. It might be a little closer than most might think just because the Falcons do have that crazy offense, especially if Julio can get out there. But overall, the Packers are going to win this game. And even if the Packers go down by two touchdowns, I think the Falcons are going to blow it again. <laughs> it sucks to predict that the team is going to blow a lead like that. But I honestly think it would happen. So don't ever doubt the Packers until the clock hits zero on Monday Night Football versus the Falcons. That's it for the NFL Pick'ems. Hopefully we do better this week than last week. Let's move on to the next topic. I know these segments are long, but you get to hear me talk trash about your team or teams that maybe you're facing this week. So thanks for tuning in to the to NFL Pick'ems. Let's move on to the next topic, which I'm very excited to talk about because my Los Angeles Lakers proved everyone wrong. Finally, we are here, and the NBA Finals are right around the corner. I'm pumped. You know I'm pumped. And you know why I am pumped? Because I am a Lakers fan. Bum, bum, bum. But anyways, NBA Finals are here. It's going to be the Lakers versus the Heat. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm super pumped, obviously, because I'm a Lakers fan. And on top of that, this might be the first time in my life where the Two teams from my city and my two teams I root for are championship contenders and very, very possible that I could win two championships, the World Series and the NBA Finals in one season. So I am a Dodgers fan and I am a Lakers fan. So 
We'll see what happens. I think the Lakers have a better chance than the Dodgers right now just because the Dodgers just started the playoffs, so we don't know exactly how they're going to be in the playoffs. They're known to choke. But this isn't about the Dodgers. This is about the NBA Finals, Lakers versus Heat. What a story the Heat have. What a story the Lakers have. Either way, the NBA champion is going to be deserving of that championship. Both these teams deserve the championship. They both have been through a lot. They both have played through a lot. They both have overcome a lot. Since we were still in the regular season, since back when the pandemic started and the hold started, I have been yelling, I have been preaching that the Lakers are going to win this championship. And I'm sure the LeBron haters will show up and they'll tell me, oh, this championship has an asterisk if he wins. This championship is lucky if he wins. He had it easy if he wins. A lot of people are already doing that. Now, I'm not looking past the Heat. I think the Heat are going to give the Lakers hell in this series. I do not think it's going to be as easy as the previous series have been. But I want to formally address the LeBron haters real quick. Just real quick. Just look you in the eyes. Well, look you in the ears and talk to you real quick. Dear LeBron James haters. Trailblazers in seven, right? Rockets in seven, right? Nuggets going to beat the Lakers in seven, right? I got bad news for you. You're wrong. You're wrong about every series. Lakers in five. Every series. It's what everyone that is a Lakers fan or LeBron supporter has been saying. Lakers in five in every series. And what has happened in every series? Are you tired of being wrong yet? Are you tired of having so much hate for LeBron James that you can't just admit that they're the better team in the series? You can't admit it. You can't withstand it. Does this title have an asterisk on it if the Lakers win? If you answered yes to that question, you are indeed officially a LeBron James and Lakers hater, whether you want to admit it or not. LeBron James is in his 17th season at his age, and he still came in and fixed a failing franchise, falling apart, hadn't been to the playoffs in years, hadn't even been remotely close to the playoffs in years before LeBron. And at his age, he not only led the league in assists, but he also put up his own 27 points per game, and I believe six or seven rebounds per game. And he was also second in the MVP voting at his age in this year, in the Western Conference, playing that competition. LeBron James has done successfully what you have all complained about for years. He ran through the West. He got us the first seed, And then he took us to the conference championship. We are in the finals because of LeBron James. Otherwise, we'd have Lonzo Ball and them and still be awful. Wouldn't even have made the playoffs probably. Probably wouldn't even have made the play-in. He did all of this the same year that he lost one of his best friends, a mentor for him in Los Angeles, a Lakers legend in Kobe Bryant. He did all of this during a time of extreme social unrest, all while being a voice for the voiceless in his community. He did all of this in the middle of a pandemic that halted the season where him and his team were rolling. They were the first in the West. They were dominating every team they played. They were red hot going into the playoffs. And right in the middle of that, a four-month break didn't matter. He did all of this and y'all still hating? He did exactly what you guys asked him to do, to prove you wrong, and you're still hating? You're still saying he in seven? 
You're still hating? You're saying that this championship has an asterisk on it? Then, on top of all of that, in his 10th finals, he left his family behind to play in his 10th finals, to make it all the way to his 10th finals. Leaving your family is not easy. I don't know if any of you have experienced it for a long period of time, but it's very hard on you mentally, on you physically. It tests you. It sees who you are as a person. I couldn't handle it. I tried it. I did it. I didn't handle it very well. So I can only imagine what these players are handling it and how they're handling it. All of this, and I will say it again, this is the hardest championship any team in NBA history has ever won. Whether it is the Lakers or the Heat that end up winning the NBA Finals. And it showed because the Clippers couldn't handle it. They were supposed to beat the Lakers. The Bucks couldn't handle it. They were supposed to beat the Lakers. Neither one of them could handle it. The two biggest threats to the Lakers couldn't even make it to the conference championship in this format, in this situation. That just goes to show how hard it was. The Bucks were pretty much a sure thing to make the finals this year. Everyone was saying that they're pretty much a sure thing to make the finals this year. And here we are. Not in the finals. Didn't even make the conference championship. Because this season is the hardest season of all time. If you are not prepared to put an asterisk next to a Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets championship when they, if they win the finals... Then I do not want to hear that you are ready to put an asterisk on LeBron and the Lakers if they win the finals. Sincerely, Mike on the mic. Let's get back to the show. Jesus. Y'all really hate. <laughs> Y'all really hating on the, one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. Just sit there and appreciate what you're witnessing. Just appreciate the show that you are seeing right in front of your eyes because it's going to be gone soon. It's going to be gone soon i am sticking to my guns i'm taking the lakers win the nba championship but in the same breath i do not think the heat will just kiss the ring and bow down to the lakers and lebron they have been set on this underdog mindset since the jump since the beginning of these playoffs and i expect no different in the finals do not be surprised if the heat win game one or even game one and game two the lakers have started every series slow and lebron knows what's at stake here he knows the heat are better than you think. He knows that his teammates might be underestimating the Heat, but he himself, I do not believe, will underestimate the Heat, and I think that they will get it done in the NBA Finals, whether it's in six games or seven games versus the Heat. Let's go, Lakers. Let's win this championship. So here we are. This is the quarter mark of the season this weekend. Teams are being proven to be good or to be bad. That's usually what happens by about week four, the quarter mark of the NFL season. And the teams that are on the bubble have either fallen to either side for the most part. There's still a few question marks up in the air. Those will be hashed out over the next few weeks. I promise you. This is the point of the season where playoff runs begin and playoff hopes are killed. Weeks four to eight, four to ten in that range and, and teams are desperate for wins to hold on to dear life especially if you're on the bubble of making the playoffs so in this segment i'm just going to go over a few coaches and a few players that are feeling the temperature rising let's try that again we're going to go over a few players or a few coaches that are feeling the temperature rising let's try it one more time 
We're going to go over a few coaches and players who are feeling the temperature rising. I can't sing, guys. I tried. I tried my best. Anyways, and they're all sitting on the hot seat over the next few weeks in the NFL season. Well, it's week four, five, and six in that time frame. These are just some guys that may lose their job sooner rather than later. That's basically what I'm going to go over. Starting with Adam Gase. This is an obvious one. This is one that everyone has been talking about happening even before the season even started. The Jets are getting destroyed, and the fans have been yelling and preaching, we need to fire Gase. Since basically they've hired Adam Gase. The Jets organization is finally hearing it. They're finally listening to everyone that's been saying this for so long. It's not come out of nowhere. This isn't new. <laughs> this is something that's been happening for the last two seasons and even all offseason this season. If Gase doesn't win three straight games, I think he's done. That's my prediction. Before week eight, I think they fire him. If he does not win the next three games. They got the Broncos first, so it's possible, but the way they've been playing, I'm taking the Broncos to even beat them with half the team. And if Gase is out, it will be the right move, in my opinion. You'll see the players begin to perform like we expected. You'll see Le'Veon. You'll see Darnold's level of play go up. It is extremely tough to play for a coach that you do not buy into or believe in. I've experienced it before. Not at the head coach level, but at the D coordinator level. It is extremely hard to play for a coach that you do not buy into or believe in. I'll say it again. And it is definitely affecting the Jets because they are bad. They do not have a really complete roster. But are they this bad? I wouldn't say that they're this bad. I feel like a coach that is great and the players believe in and, and buy into can at least get a few wins this season with this team and can at least you know make a splash to where you're like, okay, they got a good young roster. The future looks bright for the Jets. But that doesn't even look good for the Jets right now because we don't know if Donald's good. And we're never going to know if Donald's good until they give him an offense. Jeez, they can't keep an offense in the field around this guy to give him a chance to actually play. Last week, he played awful. Absolutely awful. So we'll see if he can bounce back. We'll see how long Gate has a job in New York. Fire him. Let's start the rebuild over, even though they're in the middle of a rebuild. Let's start the middle of the rebuild with the beginning and find out this season should be finding out if Donald is their franchise quarterback or not because they're going to have a high pick next year. And there's a couple quarterbacks that could go to New York and, and have some star power in New York. Moving on, Carson Wentz. The Eagles are 0-2-1. I'm shocked, man. These guys look to be poised to be the NFC East champs again, especially with all the drama in Dallas. Fortunately and unfortunately for Wentz, them boys have also been disappointing so far this season. I say unfortunately for Wentz because there's still a ton of pressure on the Eagles as they sit only a half game back of the division lead. And they could take the lead in the division with just one win, it seems like, every single week. So if Wentz can't get it together and the Eagles feel like they can still win this division with a different quarterback, <clears throat> Jalen Hurts, they're way more likely to make the switch at quarterback than if they're completely out of the race and it doesn't matter anymore. Go ahead and let Wentz work out his issues throughout the season, getting ready for next season. Carson has to figure out what's going on, in my opinion. He has to figure it out sooner rather than later. Um, he's turned the ball over two-plus games in every game this season. Two-plus games. He's turned the ball over two-plus times in every game this season. They play a beat-down 49ers team this week. This is a must-win for Philly, and definitely for Wentz. I'm a big Wentz believer. I'm a big Wentz fan. And this is just the worst time to go through a slump. I don't think, even if his he's benched, his career is over, I think that he can still overcome this. 
But if he wants to have a successful 2020 season, it is time to turn it around right now. ASAP, Rocky, you got no choice starting with this game against the 49ers. They lose this game against 49ers. I think maybe they might go to Jalen Hurts. It's pretty crazy to think about, but they're still in the battle for the division. And if Wentz can't get it going, they're going to make the switch at quarterback. Whether that means Wentz's career is done with the Eagles and they trade him, or that means he's just going to sit out this season and see what happens until you know they start losing games again. Maybe he'll get another chance this year. Or whether that just means that they just want Hurts for this one season. I don't know. The Eagles have shown that they are willing to pick up a good backup quarterback and go to that backup quarterback if need be. Moving on to Bill O'Brien. I have never been a big Bill O'Brien fan. I'm surprised after an 0-3 start, more aren't raising questions about Bill's job security in this situation where the Texans are 0-3, and that directly correlates to, in my opinion, it directly correlates to the offseason moves made by Bill (laughs) O'Brien. I don't think he will have his position in 2021. I think I can already say that pretty confidently that in 2021, the the Texans will have a new general manager and a new head coach, and hopefully they're different people because Bill O'Brien has abused his power and let personal issues interfere with his star players and led to him making that trade with DeAndre Hopkins. And while I love David Johnson, and I've always liked David Johnson in his career, it was a bonehead trade. It was a bonehead trade. It was clearly just a dump them as soon as possible type of trade. And I'm sure if they would have called any team in the NFL with that deal, they would have taken it. (laughs) Any team in the NFL with that deal, they would have taken it. The Cardinals happened to be the team that they called and the running back that they wanted, I guess. I don't understand it. I mean, you could have gotten even a superstar running back versus, you know, a young superstar running back versus getting David Johnson. Again, no offense to him. He's just on the tail end of his career, an injury-riddled career at that. I think Bill O'Brien could be out sooner than later. I don't know if he's going to make it through the season. I'm assuming he makes it through the season just because he is the general manager and the coach. It's hard to fire both and find both. But if it keeps going this way and they fall to 0-4 and they fall to 0-5, and now you know, you're know you sitting 1-6, 1-7, 1-9, any of those records after making the playoffs last year, maybe they will just pull the trigger and say, we're not going to keep this going because this is just hurting our young quarterback's confidence and this is just hurting all of our young core's confidence in general final group i'm calling them a group because it's more than one person it is dak slash the cowboys management they're feeling the heat in week four because here we are in week four the cowboys are one and two here we go cowboys disappointing again as they always do looking like an 800 team again as they always do but dak is performing as he always does performing very well in losses these next few weeks are huge towards dak's contract in my situation in my opinion and that is why i think that the these two entities are feeling the heat, and they are definitely um, feeling the temperature rising, as I said, or on the hot seat. If Dak can get the boys rolling and close out a few games, get a few wins in the win column, get yourself a couple games above 500 to where you can feel safe about this division lead. Right now, they only have a half-game lead over the Eagles, who are 0-2-1. and That's just not. <laughs> it's typical NFC East, but it is not. Uh, optimal, you know, you want to be two and one or three and zero right now if you're the Cowboys and have a comfortable lead over the Eagles as they struggle. You don't want to be struggling right next to them. The Cowboys management will be feeling the heat to cut Dak his money if he can get a couple wins in a row at about this point in the season. And if they're not going to cut him his money at about this point in the season, then that's probably a sign that Dak is going to be out of Dallas next year. And the same vice versa. If they keep losing and Dak is performing but they're not winning games, why would they re-sign Dak to a long-term deal? Do I still think Dak deserves to get his money? Hell yes. He's performing. He's doing his job. 
But is it working in Dallas? Maybe it's not working in Dallas. And maybe we're going to see Dak go somewhere else, which I actually am more excited to see than anything because I'm such a big Dak believer. I think Dak Prescott would thrive anywhere you put him, really. If he goes to Jacksonville, if he goes to Washington, if he goes to any of these teams that might be looking for a quarterback next year, New York, that would be awesome. Any of these teams, I think Dak will still impress, and I think Dak will still be very good. And I want to clarify, I meant the New York Jets, not the New York Giants. I think the Giants had Danny Dimes, and they're going to keep Danny Dimes for a long period of time. Anyways, that is my segment for the hot seat. I did something close to this for the entire season a couple weeks ago. This is just for right now, week four, we could see some moves get made if teams don't start turning things around right now. Boom, 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 pow, boom, 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 boom. Episode nine is in the books, man. Wow. What a great time I have making these shows. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm having fun throughout the whole thing, and that's what it's about. Having fun talking about the passion that I love, and that is sports. Another heads up I've given on the last couple episodes, as we approach the end of the NBA season, this podcast is going to become a primarily football podcast. Maybe a little bit of baseball. I know it's titled Sports Podcasts. I am into all sports, but I am not the expert that I am at football and baseball and soccer and hockey and such. I think hockey's done too pretty soon. So I just want to be honest with you guys. I'm not an expert in baseball. I played baseball in high school, but I didn't really follow baseball throughout my time overseas. So I'm still getting caught up on baseball. Um, but basketball and football, I'm all caught up on at this point because, you know, they've been right in front of our faces this whole time. And, and it's always in the spotlight, basketball and football but what a time to be alive for a sports fan man sports is going off right now and it's a lot of fun to watch all of these amazing athletes do what they love and inspire all of us despite what's going on in the world i've been saying it for a long time a lot of people have been saying that sports should stop i think sports should continue it is something that brings us together it is something that the public needs right now in a time where we are supposed to be remaining divided brings us together something that can bring us together whether it's via text message or whether it's via phone calls you know talking trash to your buddies or whatever it might be i i believe that sports is very important to society right now and we need this uplift more than ever so thank you for tuning in to episode nine of the mike on the mic sports podcast i am mike and i am on the mic of the most electrifying sports podcast in the game today i'm about to record for my other podcast if you happen to be a chargers fan one out of the 50 viewers, 50 to 75 viewers we're going to have this week. Uh, if you happen to be a Chargers fan, you can head over there to the High Voltage Talk Show. I'm about to record that as well. So thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it as always. See you next week, guys. I'll smack him in the mouth. I gave you fair warning.